0: Welcome to Spiritual Wanderlust, where we explore our interior life in search of the sacred. Many of us will travel the whole world to find ourselves, but here we'll follow those longings within to our spiritual and emotional landscapes. In each episode, we'll talk with inspiring guests, contemplative teachers, embodiment experts, neuropsychologists, and mystics. With a blend of ancient wisdom and modern science, along with a healthy dash of mischief, We'll deep dive into divine intimacy and what it means to be whole. I'm your host, Kelly Deutsch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spiritual Wanderlust podcast. I am your host, Kelly Deutsch, and today I am excited to have a conversation about the intersection of movement and spirituality. We're talking dance, ritual, creative practices, even playfulness. And joining me to explore these themes is Cynthia Winton Henry, the co-founder of Interplay, And for those of you who may be new to the embodiment world, Interplay is an international movement movement. It incorporates all of these elements of dance and play and spontaneity. And there are hundreds of Interplay groups across the world and online, and has been named one of the top 10 movement modalities. And I know some of our other guests have been trained in it even. Cynthia herself is a dancer, a celebrated teacher, artist, and a lifelong mentor in somatic spirituality. Her books include Chasing the Dance of Life, Dance, the Sacred Art, Discovering the Joy of Movement, Move, What the Body Wants, and the soon-to-be-published Art of Ensoulment, which accompanies her popular year-long course by the same name. And I am thrilled to have her with us here today. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you, Kelly. It's so great to be with you. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. I I wanted to start out today just by asking, I've heard you say and write also in your writings that your greatest longing in life is to foster freedom in yourself and in others. And I'm curious how that desire has shown up in your life and in particular in your spirituality. Wow. Thanks for that leading question.
1: It certainly is one of the most challenging things and the easiest thing for Mm. me so complex um on you know as a dancer and as an improviser uh a lover of improvisation uh, gifted even in that area able to kind of create and compose in the moment like a jazz performer Mm -hmm. discovering that and discovering the freedom of that in myself Mm -hmm. and in ensemble and then cultivating that that beautiful natural organic not only creativity but craft make, mm. You know, that we are, we can be artists really at any level of ability and feeling that. And then even, you know, I'm a, as a co-founder, I recently stepped down from my interplay post um, after 30 years and handed that over. And so, you know, I've had lots of chances to be led by others in this, this particular practice and the freedom of that you know the mm. freedom of not being the one behind the wheel and uh so there's just so much uh, from the from the ease, ease side for me for many people this is scary scary stuff and interplay was designed to help people go down into the shallow end and take little bits of practice and then see what comes out of it and many people discover that delicious sink Sync, uh, spontaneous synchronicity of life and tears flow from that mm. I, mean, I love that on the other hand you know just briefly we're in a time where freedom is uh a, a great quest a question and quite difficulty quite difficult um as a white woman um as a woman whose dna and community of practice was grown straight out of the Protestant lineage, um, you know, the quest for freedom in American religions, but then the oppression,
0: colonization,
1: mm-hmm. um, and what's my role in that? Um, the struggle for the dignity of rights of all people, are uh, what we're learning about neurodiversities and all of that, you know. Um, is the kind of the big quest for of in my own life to see how to keep opening myself up to deeper awareness about how I might be imposing, mm. how I might be stepping over in, you know, in my body and soul into uh, areas that are really painful for people. You know, it's not just lacking sensitivity; it's really about growing. Growing a deep connection to the truth of suffering mm. and dancing with that you mm-hmm. know in a free way um so yeah, it's a big question and it's yeah. my life, my life purpose is to foster freedom um and uh purpose for me isn't the thing I'm good at, it's the thing that I need to learn,
0: mm. mm-hmm. I think that's an important point <laughs> the thing we need to learn. Yeah and I think that's an important important point as well of of bringing up the the marginalized and the way that we unconsciously may um impose or oppress or slight or just crowd out other people because I mean I think that's kind of the difference right between being racially sensitive and anti-racist you know it's it's one thing to be like aware that racism exists and all of that but it's a whole nother thing to be active in trying to dismantle systems of oppression and how those things have existed Mm -hmm. and I also I wanted to talk a little bit about um the ease that comes up in interplay. But first, before we get into that, can you just share for those who are completely unfamiliar with it, how would you describe interplay? Um, And I'd also love to hear a little bit about how it was founded.
1: Okay. Um, Well, interplay is an active, creative approach to unlocking the wisdom of the body. So it's a practice that welcomes all of us, Mm -hmm. our physical, and really, all of us is the physicality of all of us. Our, all of our pieces, our thinking as a, as part of our movement, our heart, our our physicality, and particularly um, as interplay developed, in started with Phil and me as dancers, but also people who were thinking a lot about body and soul. And we were actually part of a three person dance company, hmm. a body and soul dance company. And we were, we were creating choreographies that invoked both the narrative out of the, out of our traditions and, and the, you know, the moving experience of it. And uh, as interplay started to evolve after body and soul ended, we were improvising from movement at a time when people weren't doing that. Um, So 19, you know, 1980s, and then we discovered that not only did our bodies want to move, that the movement was carrying us into storytelling and mm-hmm. into, like, how to open up our words as part of the dance, how to open up our 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 truths, how to open up our voices and our singing, and we were very lucky right at the beginning to have these magical musicians, and particularly Amar, Amar Khalsa, who just can play a million things. And it's a fabulous improviser. So we've always had music, uh, musicianship, mm. voice, stories, stillness, and of course the underlying, you know, whole making mm. of movement. I mean, that's what movement does. It, it captures everything. And I have to say this right here, that the play part, It's kind of surprising. I, you know, am a very playful person, but I like have to cultivate, I have to remember it Mm. because I live in a very serious world. I've been trained as, I was trained as an academic, you know, to think about things and I have plenty in my life to worry me. So the playful part, surprising to me, becomes actually part of the genius of creation, that things aren't trying to get somewhere on purpose, that things are actually alive in this organic, often irreverent way.
0: Mm. I'd love to, yeah, I wanna hear more about that. Um, So play is something that is very um, interesting to me because I think we all, most of us, at least those who are listening here, probably recognize that it's something important in theory, but actually doing it in practice is a little bit harder. But I know you said that one of the mottos of interplay is like, what if life didn't have to be so hard? You know, like what if we could do things with ease instead of something being forced? I was wondering if you could start there for us, like why is ease so important both for the body and for the spirit?
1: Force, I love that you use the word force instead of force. Let's think about that for a moment. Um, the forcing, the sort of over-anticipation, right there, when we start to anticipate, we're not really creating within the body. Mm. So, and then when we, you know, a lot of us recognize that we're managing uh, issues of control or over Extending ourselves, and when it, whenever we've o- overextend, it's like we are reaching out beyond our body and looking at external factors. And uh, we often talk about, oh, then we're not really trusting ourselves, right?
0: Hmm.
1: So the the dance of forcing, uh, you know, I mean, there's a place for push and for drive and for exertion and discomfort even in all of that so i'm not saying we shouldn't ever do that but interplay is probably one of those places that can call us back to the genius of of what's the opposite of force you might call it ease you might call it you know the terrifying um organic truth of just being right? I mean, is that easy? I don't know. I think, you know, in in our marketing and, and awareness for those of us who step in and have make choices about coming back into our body in a creative way, not just coming back to the body, Hmm. but coming back in a creative way, which is more where play lives. Hmm. um, And, you know, the, the, the sympathetic and you know th- these nervous systems like there's whole golden side to our our physicality that just wants to do that nobody has to say to us go you know go back to play when we're playing you know you have to tell people to go back to work but not so like you know if you've been in a workshop and everybody's mulling around and they're talking and there's all this ease and conversation and somebody's dinging on the bell come back come back the important stuff is about to happen yeah that's right But that dance, like the word conversation, means to dance with. Mm. So that's play. Right? When we're not thinking about what am I supposed to be doing? Where is this supposed to be going? And Mm. it it is actually at the center. According to spiritual teaching, it's at the center of divine connection.
0: Mm.
1: Alila. You know, the play of God, the play of life. And so instead of like our, in our, uh, you know, and I, this is where I come from, right? My ancestors are part of this lineage of the, literally the first people off the boat of the Puritan work ethic. And they were actually part of the group of people among the Puritans, um, the Anne Hutchinson part of that community that was exiled from Boston and sent to Rhode Island as a whole group had their guns taken away for their belief in actually living from grace
0: Mm.
1: or the gracious, graciousness of this connection, this presence, And, and that if we honor that in each person in body and soul that dignify that the world organizes so differently, Mm. split it into play
0: and work. Yes, it's funny, even just as you're talking, I can like feel my body going, uh, and like my stomach unclenching, (laughs) like, because there's such a different somatic experience of of that work versus play, right? I mean, and you mentioned the nervous system. I mean, it is the difference between sympathetic and parasympathetic, you know, when we're in fight, flight, freeze. Um, But... uh, I think a lot of us think of, like, fight, flight, like, oh, my gosh, I'm anxious or I'm scared. But it's like, it's really just any time there is that kind of forcefulness, control. I mean, you need sympathetic even just to, you know, go for a jog or to, you know, be active and thinking and all of those things. But with play, with that parasympathetic, like, rest and digest, there's such a... um it just opens up whole new possibilities for connection and creativity relationships. It's much more what you think of as right brains, right? All of the the creative expressions. Um, and it's one thing that I'm curious about is, so a lot of us get stuck in sympathetic, right? We get stuck in fight or flight because life is just so full. There's so much stimulus everywhere. They're go, go, go. Whether it's You know, just kind of culture as it is, or maybe you have young kids or just the fullness of life and normal everyday stressors. So I'm curious how you or in interplay, you help people who are stuck in maybe a trauma state, maybe in a stress state or kind of in that sympathetic, buzzy energy, how do you help their bodies feel safe enough to drop into that play easeful state? Thank you. That, you know,
1: that's, a, again, such a good question. I mean, I, first of all, I think that we've noticed that when people can choose to come into the room, their own choice is the biggest mm. safety making mm. factor, right? And we call that willingness or high willingness. And so we we, we, <laughs> we talk about interplayers as, you know, highly evolved because they have high willingness to step mm. in. mm mm-hmm. To these creative states and that cur- that's a courage you know that we usually comes from trauma
0: mm-hmm.
1: it usually comes from knowing overwhelm mm-hmm. it usually it might come from remembering that we're there's something really hungry in us for something more beautiful and we can remember a time when we danced or when we were um really playful Or perhaps we feel like we've never known and we now know that that's the exact thing. And so when people do step into the room, the beautiful thing about Interplay as a system, no matter who the teachers or leaders are, is that we have cultivated a a system for helping people incrementally with these beautiful Mm -hmm. little chiropractics of uh, leadership to step in. one and they're usually uh, not about prefacing that this is about trauma or this is about recovering anything it's not it's much more neutral Hmm. it's not really based in like you're going to be we're going to be in a certain feeling about this do you know it's not uh, there might be a tone because of who the person is that leading is is leading or how it's being led Um, but it's not like and now we're going to look at our feelings and our thoughts Um, so instead it's it's based in forms like an art practice like if you were to sit down as a as a writer and you knew that you were going to do three minutes of writing here's your piece of paper the prompt is the word blue and you just get to free write about blue Hmm. that's kind of an interplay style of for movement voice and storytelling one of our simplest ones that's so great and i'll just share it right now because you all can try it um it's based in this in in the progression of storytelling practices it's called i could talk about and um this got half created by breaking things down more and more and more from big body stories where people are full out moving around telling their story um finding and have finding some joy and delight in that these are you know, that's where you, you're happy to do it all the way back to, let's just go back and forth and say things we could talk about from our morning. Um, so maybe, would you like to do this with me? And we'll just try. Mm -hmm. So, um, you don't say anything about it. You just say what you could talk about. Okay. So like, I could talk about, um, waking up and having my every Friday morning, nine o'clock phone call with my friend. Mm
0: -hmm. I could talk about snuggling with my cat.
1: I could talk about being so happy that my partner
0: made me some eggs with avocado. I could talk about um, starting my beans to boil so they're ready for lunch. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) I could talk about thinking about this podcast and also getting ready for another one because I'm like on a little podcast adventure.
0: Oh, that's exciting. I could talk about all of the setup that it takes to get all of this ready.
1: I could talk about, um, yeah, my cat and, uh, this is a new rescue cat who's rescuing us. Uh, <laughs> <I think. laughs> she's come from the wild and she's coming to make her home with us. Ah, that's precious. Yeah. So there you go. That's, um, you know, I could talk about and out of these little kind of spontaneous, unbidden things um comes pieces of information that we could then you know we could go then on to do three sentence stories then we could open it up into um let's move between a little bit of story and a little bit of humming so you know you know or then and then coming back you know, I mean, it could go any number of ways, but that's, for instance, a simple progression of playing. And even when people are more advanced, uh, or practiced in interplay, they come back to we come back to these little things again and again, because the little forms are as delightful as the big forms. Mm.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I feel like that gives a good sense of just the kind of improvisational spirit of it all. And um, if we have time at the end, I definitely want to make space for, you know, for maybe a movement practice or something that we can show and invite others into. Um, But I love, um, I was reading a little bit uh, of your book, The Art of Ensoulment, And there's one point in which you said, to dance with mystery, you embrace the joyful incompetence in relationship uh, or in relation to materials, instincts, and ideas. And you surrender your hunger for excellence and open the door to good enoughness Mm. said once released from being good I can enjoy the ride and that's liberation and I thought that was like a beautiful way to tie that back to your your heart's of freedom to be able to have joyful incompetence which is really hard for a lot of us who are just trained like it's just ingrained in us, especially in the West from such a young age to perform, you have your, you know, everything is graded in school. And so that's just like the mindset uh, and, you know, performance reviews and all the things, instead of being able to just like, kind of flow with life and see what unfolds. um, Having, having a deep seated acceptance of that good enoughness.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I really take seriously the social body. Mm. So the impact of being in a group body, even in my imagination. Mm. So like, imagine this group, right? And because of mirror neurons, my body receives data. Uh, kinesthetic, audio, I'm like receiving data mm. from my group consciousness, uh, my group body. And, you know, the that group is also holding performative excellence uh you know kind of that agendas Mm -hmm. and so when i go to think about my individual um process i have to kind of unsnap a little bit from the group from a body to body connection Mm. with with my group. It's not just my mind. It's just not my personality problem. You know, it's actually a deep, um, you know, a deep unsnapping, you know, like, okay guys, you know, I know, but, but that requires will Hmm. and it requires support. So like any of us who have little pods and many of us do now, you know, little pods of spiritual practice, where we can be and are encouraged to come back to ourselves. But it's also kind of unsnapping uh, from group, uh, the group body. So if we're a church person or in a synagogue or a a Dharma community, it's always very kind of like in a certain pious body. And I'm like trying to remember, I could play with this. I don't have to be so focused. You know, it's like, I actually have to disagree or Mm -mm. or, uh, you know, the word currently is to decolonize Yeah. because, you know, the goal for us, I think is especially now we need to be in sold. So it's, we need to be in that life-giving energetic source, the me of me or the you of you. And it's different than our personality. It's, um, some say it isn't like even a personal thing. It's the con- the connected thing, but it's definitely got. A powerful identity, and dropping in, especially through the arts, into soul,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, that is how to unsnap, because then you've got strength of connection at this deepest level, or to decolonize, um, you know, and that's, uh, all of us, we're, you know, in this time in history where we, the things that have evolved are not working for everybody at all, they're, and they're, in fact, they're dangerous. And they're dangerous to the people that created them. Mm. A white, yes. white lineaged uh, people, perhaps most dangerous. It is white privileged people who have the highest suicide rate right now. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So it's not good for us, this kind of, this path. Um, and so, yeah, like coming back and coming into our body, to play you know like opening up the question of like what is play or the organic creative life within us and everyone mm-hmm. unstopping from these the group these group bodies by being in little pods of supportive you know connection that's you know i think i think that's what is happening in the world uh more and more it's a kind of a hidden thing i think but i think that's what is awakening and uh, interplay is one of the movements that's part of that. And yes. yeah.
0: yeah, I think that's such a um, key thing. I, I'm i thinking of someone I was um, speaking to in spiritual direction who is lives in the Silicon Valley, you know, and she's just like, it's just so, <laughs> like based on consumerism and how much like the show and like there's just such a buzzy frenetic energy in in places like that and it is very easy to get swept up by all of that, like you said, just our neurobiology or mirror neurons and things how we we just pick that up from each other. And I know you consider yourself a highly sensitive person, um, which is something we've talked about on the podcast before, but and I know a lot of our listeners are HSPs as well, you know, just deeply sensitive to um, not only stimulus around us, but like group dynamics, emotions, kind of energy in the room. And I wonder So you've shared a little bit about how how you navigate that, especially with these little pods to kind of unsnap from all the (laughs) wildness around us. But are there any other ways that dance and movement and embodiment, spontaneity, help you navigate the world as someone who's particularly sensitive? Oh, gosh.
1: Oh, I don't know what I would do <laughs> <laughs> truly without the without the um birthrights, the creative birthrights.
0: Mm.
1: So our creative birthrights um from the beginning were the way that we navigated more the the complexities of of you know internal and external connection um and danger. Um, you know, the dreaming the dreaming ways, uh, were telling people like a lot, the stars, the and, and to completely somatic, right? And uh, not about uh, much development in terms of left brain, hmm. reason, and all of that. So the creative birthrights are the ways that the body, once they come into flow, especially in community, so movement and voice, chanting, mm-hmm. rhythms um silence uh spaces of silence and listening less far less words um profound stories when these are online the soul of the individual the group syncs up and it re- it's it is regulated it is uh, the regulating it is regulation and so mm. it's not like oh this is a cool cool way it is the way <laughs> mm. And uh, Angelus Arian, many listeners will, might remember that she, as an anthropologist, started to learn in her studies that when uh, shamans found that people were not engaged in villages with movement, the movement, the voice, the stories, or the stillness, the the sense of just being able to be, Mm. right? Not stillness as a thing, but, you know, and, and not movement as moving, right? Dancing, you know, but it's like the... Not showing up when any of these were missing, then it was considered soul loss or Mm dis-ease. And so the shaman, the the wisdom people and the community would come around that. And what would they do? They would invoke movement, shaking, Mm -hmm. and they would invoke sound. They would invoke rhythm. They would invoke a kind of wild beingness and a focus on behalf of that person that would say to the person in community, not just on a one-to-one basis in community, we want you back. Come bring your body back. And the mirror neurons and the, all these beautiful things we know now would be the way the medicine way. Um, so yeah, the craziness that we're in the, re- and here's the cool thing, resetting ourselves to a, as, as sensitives or like one author says 70% of us are sensitive. Hmm. So we're reframing sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And then one, you know, one fifth to one third of us are highly sensitive. All right. And that's a spectrum as well. But if all of us are, a lot of us are sensitive. Okay. We all need to have resets and we probably each know something about what, do, what, how we get there. But I've learned uh, that seven minutes of moving, breathing in an easy way to music will co- completely reset m- my 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 sensitive body that's gotten attention, you know, all over the place. And uh, like after this, you know, tonight I'll have I'll have a chance to do that. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like stimulated. Um, but we get it from walks, and we get it from singing, and mm. you know from our cat so uh, there's lots of ways it can happen but it doesn't often happen these days in group bodies yes and it doesn't happen in a playful way you know where where you're not like there's not a have to you know
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're not
1: there's not a like you will perform so that
0: did i read are you are you also into interpersonal neurobiology well, I, I kind of am, but I don't know if it's a formal thing that I would put my name on it. So sure, yeah, no, I just find that so um, fascinating. We had an interpersonal neurobiologist on here a while ago, um, Bonnie Badnock, um, and she's marvelous. Um, she was a yoga instructor, or was deep into yoga, and then was in like neuropsychology and is also a contemplative. She's just a beautiful human being, but she talks a lot about how self-regulation is, is a myth. <laughs> She's like our neurobiology shows us that we co-regulate. Like that's how our brains are wired from birth, like an infant and its mother and you know all of that. And so just imagining all of these group processes that are becoming much more popular now of, of chanting or drumming or singing or just any of those things and how helpful they are both for people who have experienced trauma and even if people, you know, some of us think that we don't have trauma because we think of trauma with a capital T, like car accidents and war and things. But I'm of the belief that we all have trauma of some sort, even if it's just neglect as a child or, you know, being bullied that one time and whatever it is. But to find those ways that sync us up, that that image that you shared of like the shaman and the community coming around and like reclaiming and inviting back this person's soul into their body and into the community, how powerful. You know, like I, I wish we all had rituals like that when we just feel lost and disjointed and out of sorts, because my goodness, just the power of of our bodies and our very biology is. Kind of mind blowing.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things for highly sensitive ones uh, like us, and I, and I think I think you're part of this, Kelly, mm. in a big way by just having a podcast and welcoming people in to to and seeing people. Mm. Thank you for seeing me. Yeah, uh, is uh, I believe that part of what is needed for highly sensitive people is credentialing. Hmm. And that is that kind of being seen and recognized. So many of us, because of sensitivity, we have to protect ourselves. We have sometimes have to withdraw. We sometimes feel just really weird and out of it because we're othered. Um, We might see things and know things and feel things more intensely. Um, And you know, there, there are forms of naming that, but Pretty much our culture just says says the main way you get credentialed is to go into a program, pay a lot of money and come out with a degree. Mm -hmm. But in my book, The Art of Ensoilment, I kind of name the importance of credentialing and all the ways that we have of credentialing and seeing ourselves as credentialed. And that's one of the ways I think of stepping into deeper into the soul of our authority and our and 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 regulating for ourselves with others. Um, but like it does help that you ask, you know, me to be on the podcast. And I consider that a form of credentialing. Hmm. It is a real beautiful, important uh seeing.
0: Hmm.
1: I think we can do that for each other with thank you notes with affirmation. Um, We can also, we could ask our communities, you know, do you think, what do you think I am doing? That is really valuable. Um, When people pay me for something, I see payment as credentialing, whether or not I have a certificate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not just about some kind of formal thing. In fact, my mentor's credentialing is the most pre- precious credential. Mm. Do, doing this in a way that uh, is honorable to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When they say, "Absolutely,
0: yes," I think that's very. Very important to recognize. And I'm glad you gave some examples there because I think most of us have only heard of credentials as like the letters after your name that you paid like $100,000 in four years of your life to get or something, you know, but it's, it is very interesting because then you'll also find practitioners who do have those letters after their names, but haven't necessarily done the soul work to accompany that. You know, so I'm thinking like therapists or spiritual directors and folks that, can be all across the board, you know, and someone who may not have gotten a certificate or, you know, is whatever has different letters after their name as a therapist can be even more impactful sometimes as a healer and, you know, someone who accompanies you through through difficulty um, than somebody who just has letters after their name. So I think that's, that's important to be able to um, recognize because I, I was talking to one spiritual director the other day, you know, who's um, felt, um, she's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not educated in any of these things. And she kept on saying that over and over, you know, like, I'm not educated in these. I'm like, (laughs) but if you've done the inner work, I, I don't care if you have the actual certificate signed by someone who says, you know, like, okay, we officially recognize it, but being able to offer that to one another and say like, Hey, I recognize that in you. Like, I see you, Cynthia, as having, a deep sense of embodiment. I love how even before we hit record, like, you know, you didn't have to ask permission. You're like, I just need to stand up and kind of shake out a little bit and make a little noise to like get my body to where it is because you know where you are in your body and what you need in order to be present. So I think that's a beautiful thing and something that I need to remember to continue to um, recognize and validate and credential others, as you said. So thank you for that.
1: (laughs) No, um the art of ensoulment is really my sort of my my the culmination of my what I've learned and my practices um as a as a mystic, as a highly sensitive creative soul. And what I learned from putting this book together, which is twelve different uh elements or practices is that these are each are initiations something that i mm. really had to learn and have to continue to learn to be in soul to keep to have my soul here referenced referencing soul in my body and mm. healing that organization soul in body the, you know, the subtitle of the book is how to create how to create from body and soul Hence, art the art the creative process which is so important right of the play of it but these Mm. initiations you know are the are the source of credentialing
0: Mm.
1: real spiritual leadership or leadership in general we don't have to call it spiritual leadership per se um so you know the first four chapters of the book have to do with honoring your spirit team which is basically you know are you initiated are you connected to your ancestor ancestry Are is it an, how are you in honoring that lineage stuff um who's who's on your team is it a hummingbird you know are they are you acknowledging it you know like that sense of flow on the imaginal and the real level of you know at that and that's an initiation in a time when we are like all supposed to be doing it on our own without help.
0: Yeah. Can I pause there? I would love to hear more about that, especially for folks. I mean, I grew up Catholic. So, you know, communion of saints and all of that and having like friends that are saints is like pretty common. But I know there are plenty of people listening who who wouldn't even know where to start with a spirit team or don't necessarily have connections to their ancestors. Where would a person get started? Right.
1: Well, I think we just start with the people like who around us hope, Hopefully there's somebody because truly there are places on the planet where there's nobody. Yeah. Um, who is, who is seeing you? Hmm. And if you can't find a who, what, what, are where do you go where you feel like some kind of connection? Is it a tree? You know, is it a place on the land? Um, you know, is it, is it an element? So the elements, you know, the, the, are our first nations folk, they start with the elements with, with earth. That's, and those are, that's mm. living. That's not inanimate stuff. That's living elemental, you know, support. Mm. We can't live without any of that. Right. So uh, yeah, it's, you can start really close and you know, the the biggest mm. thing about it is that we, if we, if we're feeling lonely and unsupported, then that's our initiation. That's our initiatory work. And if it isn't coming from the people we expect it should a partner or families, you know, we do need to go to wherever. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't, I had no ancestral story. Mm I, my nobody in my family talked about, especially on my mom's side, talked about anything. And I, and I was like, like, Oh, and you know, ancestry can't comes up and like, I couldn't figure it out. And so I started kind of like, okay, what am I supposed to do? So with a, with my friend, Masanko Banda, who's from Malawi um, and often teaches here in the U.S., he and I were in a workshop. We set this up and one person would dance on behalf of the other person's ancestors
0: mm. and,
1: uh, and then report back. And so Musonko was dancing on behalf of my ancestors. And when he came back, he said... Yeah, I saw some women and they were kind of like, yeah, don't bother. It's kind of messy. Oh, interesting. Don't bother. Uh, Yeah, just stick with where, you know, the support is. And hmm. for me, on the imaginal level, I've, you know, I taught in a seminary, dance and theology for 20 years, hmm. and I have a full rich life with some of that stuff. So yeah, drawing on my imaginal, you know, community, invoking them and thanking them like resting in that while, but here's the cool thing within about seven or eight years following and listening to various instructions about ancestry, including one, one psychic telling me just to go sit on an old stump in the forest. Um, My great grandmother's name is Elizabeth Stumpf. So just <laughs> sitting on the, on the cutoff stump on the stump <laughs> and my, my mom's partner eventually uncovered my mom's entire lineage all the way back to the year 1000 without any work from my part.
0: Wow.
1: Including this Anne Hutchinson story um, of which my family were members and part of this ex- exile at the beginning of hmm. our cut, And so like, you know, the whole thing of like the magic of it and the play of it and the creativity of it and the listening for the instructions, mm. you know, it's that it's a step-by-step process of this honoring.
0: Mm. Yes. And it's something that I need to keep in mind is that it requires an intentionality, right? It requires will, like you said earlier, because just like any other friendship, like if I want to keep in touch with you, I can't just, you know, I can certainly send like good vibes your way and, you know, pray or whatever I dance on behalf of, but to maintain a relationship, it requires some sort of actual effort on either of our parts so there's a gigantic tree outside my house that I am in love with and I'm like I need to be more intentional instead of just because now that I'm in a new house I don't have a fence around my yard so I used to just go out and hug my trees and nobody you know I didn't care here I'm like oh the entire neighborhood could still watch me like wrap my arms around a tree but I'm like need to spend time with her a little bit more because <laughs> Just because I feel like the weirdo in the new neighborhood like, doesn't mean that I shouldn't maintain some sort of relationship with those who are on this spirit team of mine um, mm. and those who move us and support us. Mm. I love that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's it. So that's why, like, I love the word initiation,
0: mm.
1: it's kind of reaching in um, and being in wonder and curiosity about it, which yes. is a, a great emotional muscle curiosity is considered one of the core emotions right
0: mm-hmm.
1: or love you know curiosity i think like, find that fascinating
0: yes so being
1: curious about our spirit team um, or anything that we feel is a growing edge is a much more playful organic way than like telling myself i better go do something yes right um probably there's always in me going to be the better go do something boy somewhere back there. I just can't, mm. what? it's too you know, but I think it's like, Oh yeah. Well,
0: yes. Yes. It's easy to um, <laughs> let different parts of us drive that maybe um, shouldn't be at that particular moment. Right. I, I had a um, neurobiologist on who's who talks a lot about the Enneagram and he used the analogy of you know um all of these different parts within us like we all have all nine numbers like different aspects of these personalities and they all need to know how to fly the plane he's like they're all on the plane but sometimes we're just way out of practice of you know like letting our eight lead when we need a little more forcefulness or you know letting our seven lead when we need a little more play and spontaneity you know and things like that so i that image has stuck with me as something like, okay, they all need to take a turn just depending at, you know, where we are in the sky, I suppose. <laughs> so that's a lovely,
1: you know, there's a couple of things I'd love for your listeners to play with, with me or anybody that I I think these are not yet being spoken about in terms of spirit and soul. Hmm. And um, I just like to put them before you, Kelly, um, if I could, what that I believe that spiritual intelligence is the most important thing that will be needed in the, in the decades and centuries to come.
0: Hmm.
1: I believe that spiritual intelligence is the culmination in the body of all the intelligences working together. Mm. So rather than looking at specifically at spirituality, I believe it's the it's the culmination of, and that's why a little kid can be spiritually intelligent as long as their systems are allowed to flow, and they mm. pop out with really brilliant brilliant things, right? So I'd love for us to think more about that idea. um. Of, and so there's a kind of joy in bringing things on more and more in line, like my kinesthetic intelligence and my cognitive intelligence or my, you know, whatever, all these different kinds of ways of processing, which each one does a different job mm-hmm. and it can only be that intelligence. So kinesthetic intelligence which leads to dance is a direct access way to power Mm. so dance is uh is directly related to a sense of empowerment Mm. and the generating and creating of power which is why it gets suppressed Mm. why it was banned among native americans african americans outlawed uh, among pagans, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not, it's not just cultural identity. It is literally the source of power connected to soul. All Mm. right. So the importance of spiritual intelligence and the freedom to have all of our, as much as, uh, as, as we want at any given time, just to be in that flow of things working together in us and to be seen as such. Right. So that's really important to me Mm. for conversation and the other thing that's really important to me and i this is kind of a seed in the art of ensoulment, is that i don't think we're talking about the word soul uh we're not using the word soul we're probably afraid of it for a variety of good reasons you know religion um you know certain governmental strategies around identity the the shyness of the soul You know, etc. But I believe that soul is accessible. Mm. Soul is in body and can be felt and noticed and we can develop a, a physical sense of the presence of our soul.
0: Tell me more about that because I don't think, and most people are familiar with that, that like the soul can be sensed physically. Like what, what does that mean? Well,
1: if we think that our soul is in our body, it's probably in there somewhere, Mm -hmm, (laughs) but mm -hmm. it's not being named or identified. However, in spiritual practice and spiritual teachers, uh, we can feel, feel a transmission of something from them. We might call it presence, or like I said earlier, the you of you. Like if I slow myself down, you have to kind of slow down for this you know, to attend. What is that? What is the Kelly soul? You know, and like kind of, it's a mystery. It's not like a a problem, but there's a presence there and it's deeper than even it's, it's embodied. It's not, it's in your words and thinking, but, but what is that? You know, that magic alchemical energy. So I feel it in myself as this kind of like when I'm able And these words won't do it justice, but it's kind of like a humming, uh, steadying, neutral, Mm. um, eternal, uh, internal in the sense, I don't feel a threat to it. Mm. Um, or uh, like, oh, it's going to, I have to, this is going to die. I don't feel that, you Mm. know? And like, we can grow that sensation. We, we can grow our conversation. When we're doing meditation, dancing, anything, just asking ourselves, you know, to say to say hello to our soul would be a good start because we're not using that word or this identity. We might talk about spirit and that works, it is a fine word, but it tends to be more diffuse, energetic. The Dalai Lama says the spirit is kind of a high top of the peaks thing and the soul is more like it down in the deep valley mm-hmm. even he identifies and that's one of the things i'm kind of pulling out in the art of installment as i'm talking about this mm-hmm. so if you could get to that this place where i think um great spiritual leaders people who've experienced end of life death loss and rebirth, know something uh that's awake in them and that there's a fearlessness that comes out of it right mm-hmm. and and a deep a love that is coming from someplace that is not just about my heart mm-hmm. or me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's not hidden. That's important. I can see it and sense it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's accessible. I can go right there anytime. It's not related to a religion or a certain practice. It's not, it's, it doesn't have to be sort of worked on. It's not hard, and it's not higher. Like, uh, so I'm going to get to it at some point later in life. So mm-hmm. the all these I I heavy laden ideas about soul, I think, are in the way from having us be at humans in body and soul, in mm-hmm. soul, easy, playful. You know simpler but more beautiful ways, and probably my big hope is more resourced, mm. more sourced for these very difficult times, more resourced together, more creative if we're if we're in in soul in body, then organically as earth, we're connecting as a species, more likely to connect we see that when people sing together and do big big flash mobs and stuff. We sync up and we get not only resourced, but we like like our first nations people, our, our first peoples, they call in the rain. They collaborate with nature, with the divine. They, they're they not just, you know, as an individual body. Uh, and they, those are the people that say, you know, it's really all, all there. it is about the dance. It is the dance of life, hmm. right? Um, <laughs> I took this icon into a shop once, a, a Native American doll, a kachina, and there was a guy in there who was a, a craft craft person, and I said, "You know, I'm a I'm a dancer, and I'm trying to understand what this is, and I'm also trying to help my own people dance more." And he looked at me, this guy. Uh, I don't know if he's Hopi or what, but he looked at me. He said. I like with the teasing smile says. I'm a dancer too, you know. And it was like I knew in an instant. Like, of course he's a dancer, even if he doesn't dance, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's who you are. You know, that's who we are. So, like, how to get to that dancing uh, soul?
0: Yeah, uh, I think that's um, an interesting conversation to be had around. Um, soul and how to um Mm. acknowledge it access it regularly because i mean the image that i like to use sometimes is is that of just like sinking to the ocean floor you know Mm. and there's like this deep anchoredness down there because up on top like the waves are so (laughs) they can be thrashing like crazy but if you can sink deep down into the dark depths where like there's still movement, but it's so much gentler, you know, Mm. you can feel like the tugs of, of the tide. Mm. Um, that to me is, is such a beautiful place to live from in, in your body. And, um, it it reminds me a little bit of um, internal family systems and doing parts work. Like they talk about self with a capital S and some people do just call it soul because that is the core of, they have all these like C words, you know, they're like, it's the seat of like curiosity and compassion and creativity and, you know, all of these beautiful resources that we need to live with. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that is something we could have a whole nother conversation about. I- um <laughs> yeah so we're we're about um to close on time here um do do you think we have time for just a short practice of some sort we can do a yeah. small dance or a warm-up or whatever you think is most appropriate no
1: just do a um like one of these incremental little practices but it's so beautiful in interplay and in my life now is uh one hand dance hmm. okay? okay and so um to do this you just um, I've got some music ready, but, but we'll warm up first. Just bring one hand into the space and just let your hand move slow and smooth. And then let it move smooth and fast. Just warming up what hands can do. Uh, move your hand in a jerky way. <laughs> Jerky and slow. Good. And give your hands some shaking. Right? And then just bring your hand into a shape. Just be in the shape for a moment. Just feel it. And then let it shift to another shape. Another. And now we're going to move. To a new shape really fast. 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 We can do that. And then just extend your arm into the space around you or back into contact um, with your body. Just bringing your hand into connection with someplace on your body that just feels good or comforting. And I'm going to give us some music with our hand being a little bit warmed up here. We'll take a moment just to let this hand dance and uh, play as a meditation, just as if we were following the breath or whatever. That's kind of like we can just watch the hand. If your other hand gets jealous, you can include it. There's like no big rules about this. Um, And if you don't feel like doing it, you can just listen to the music and just be. So here's a little piece of music um, for a hand dance. Here we go. At the right pieces. Hey. Hey. want to acknowledge uh that's a piece called shallow water from yehezkel raz an israeli uh, musician
0: beautiful thank you that was delightful and i think a wonderful way to um, allow people to land a little bit after this lovely conversation thank you so cynthia there are like you know dozens of other questions that I could have asked today, but, um, for folks who want to learn more about you, your work, your books, what you do, where should they go?
1: Yeah. One of the easiest places to go is to the Amazon, uh, my Amazon authors page. Um, uh, cause they have put all the books right there for easy reading with all the descriptions and reviews and all of that stuff. Um, including my new book, uh, The Art of Ensoulment, How to Create from Body and Soul, which will be pu- hopefully the publish button hit will be hit next week. Um, so I hope people will take a look at that. I would love for anybody who's interested to read and learn and, and journey with me a little bit to join me on Substack at the Dancing Center. Um, under my name, Cynthia Winton-Henry at the Dancing Center. If you're a Substacker, that's a great platform, by the way, I love it. And um, I have a website called The Hidden Monastery, and it is uh, under my name, Cynthia Winton Henry. So, you know, I've used my name as kind of my handle. Uh, um, But at The Hidden Monastery, you'll find my courses, and you'll also find online dance chapels led by both me and other wonderful people. And these are online hour-long spaces where people are using movement and contemplative practice, art making, um, et cetera, for you know, this kind of restorative um, care and for dancing and praying on behalf of one another.
0: Yes. And I highly encourage people to check that out. I I first discovered Interplay six or seven years ago, and I was living in South Dakota. And so like, you know, I was like, there's probably not an Interplay group around here. But I found these online groups of people who are just experiencing movement, we danced on behalf of each other. And it was such a beautiful just both embodied, but also very communal experience. So if you haven't experienced interplay before, I highly encourage you to check it out. Check out Cynthia's new book, The Art of Ensoulment. It's it's a beautiful combination of both um, your, your thoughts and learnings and experiences, but it's also like this creative art journal workbook right? exercise. It's just like <laughs> a lovely conglomeration um, so right. that it becomes an experience instead of just something to read. Yeah, thank you so. so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all of your your wisdom and your stories with us. It was such a delight to have you here today. Thank
1: you. I'm so glad to be spiritually wandering with you. <laughs>
0: yes, indeed. We're delighted to have you. And thank you everyone for joining us and listening to us today. We'll see yeah. you next time. Thank you for joining us on Spiritual Wanderlust. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider leaving us a review or sharing it with others. It really does help us reach more kindred spirits who are hungry for the depths. To learn more about what we're up to, or to access our free resources for spiritual growth, visit us at www.spiritualwanderlust.org. May your days ahead be spacious, sprightly, and surprising. See you next time. We'll be right back. back.